Welcome to the Untold Story Podcast, everybody. I'm Martha McCallum, and it's great to be with you. We have had a really wild run through New Hampshire and Iowa over the past, I don't know, a couple of weeks or so. And I wanted to talk to Kellyanne Conway, former senior counselor to President Trump and the founder of KAC Consulting uh, and the author of Here's the Deal, because I think that there's um, there are a few people who know more about this process than Kellyanne, having managed the successful campaign of then Donald Trump to become president the first time around. So Kellyanne, welcome. Great to have you with me. Always a pleasure, Martha. Thank you. So now that we've had, we have these two states behind us, we've got two people left in the race. A lot of people clamoring to get Nikki Haley out of this race. She went straight to South Carolina to start campaigning down there. How do you see the the four or five weeks, I guess, that we've got between now and the South Carolina primary playing out? In some ways, Martha, the bats are frozen in time, meaning with a two-person race and a 30-point lead for former President Trump over Nikki Haley in her home state of South Carolina, one could imagine that the numbers won't move that much. But if she can start moving them so that the gap goes from 30 to 22 to 18 to 15, and then people have a story and where's Trump, that could work. I guess the question for her is, what would South Carolina voters learn about you now since they're so familiar with you as their former governor, that would dislodge them from Donald Trump and bring them over to you? And it seems like that's a basic question, but it's a very difficult one for candidates to answer. One thing that I noticed in the Fox News voter analysis in both Iowa and New Hampshire, which we're spot on, Martha, is how many of the voters in each of those states, Iowa and New Hampshire, had made up their mind quote, all along. They knew all along who they were going to vote for and that Trump claimed the lion's share of those who had pretty much solidified and cemented their vote, say, last summer or last fall. So I think for Nikki Haley to make this a two-person race, she should be taking on Donald Trump a little bit, but Joe Biden a lot. Um, That's just the cardinal error I think most of them have made. They, They have all fallen into, DeSantis especially, but Haley as well, they've all fallen into what I call like the Venus flytrap quicksand in a crypt um, of, of, challenging Donald Trump so much that you're not transporting the voter to see you versus Biden and to really get that contrast going. Uh, You know, I work with many candidates over the years, Martha. It's a very personal decision to enter a race, to put your name on a ballot, to sacrifice financially and privacy and sleep and all different kinds of things to put your name on a ballot and run for office. But it's such a deeply personal and torturous decision to get out of a race. Sometimes that's harder for people than getting in. And um, so I think it's a very personal decision. The one thing I would say, though, that I haven't heard said before as much is I think the establishment, that more of the establishment, maybe center left and some of the Democrats who support Nikki Haley ought to live by their own words. For years, electability was the rocket fuel of how these nominations were decided. Who can win? Who can't win? And it seems that when it's Donald Trump who's ahead, they want to make exception to that. And there's some kind of other magic elixir that should decide who the nominee is. Um, He is electable. He's beating Biden in a lot of these polls. He's expanding, as you have pointed out yourself many times, expanding his base, and I think the overall Republican Party, to include more Hispanics, more women, more independents, more young people, more African-Americans, he doesn't even need to win 50% of any of the groups I just mentioned to become president. In fact, he probably won't win them. Um, Joe Biden will, but the margins will be slimmer than they've been in the past. So I think if you're looking at electability and a path forward, 
and you really want people to be fiscally responsible, there is a time that's coming soon for Nikki Haley to say, okay, um, I'm going to be fiscally responsible also, and I want Joe Biden out of there. We're going to help Donald Trump. Um, She's got a lot to be proud of. So uh, there's that, and she's a young woman, and maybe she has a big political future if she wants it. But, uh, and I'm not one to always, you know, I love competition. I think it's smart for the body politic. I've not liked when they've cleared the field like they did for George W. Bush in 2000. I thought that was a mistake, like they did for Romney and a little bit to a lesser extent McCain. I think that's a mistake clearing the field. But at the same time, when the voters have spoken, it's time to listen. So I feel, you know, we've we've all been through this period in campaigns before over the last 20 years or so where there is this candidate or that candidate that everybody wants out of the race. You know, I remember when they were pressuring Elizabeth Warren to get out. I remember, you know, all of these. Right. So this this is not an unusual moment for a campaign where there's this kind of urge to to get to to the general matchup. The former president's been going after Nikki Haley really hard. He went after her the other night when he was obviously unhappy that um, that she came out and sort of said, you know, she would she felt great about where she was that night. So now uh, today on Truth Social, he's going after anybody who will who donates any of these big donators to uh, her campaign. So he said that anybody who makes this is on Truth Social, anybody that makes a contribution to Bird Brain from this moment forth will be permanently barred from the MAGA camp. We don't want them. We will not accept them because we put America first and always will. So she came back uh, with a donation pledge um, request, I should say, and a T-shirt that says barred permanently. Nikki Haley, you know, vote for Nikki Haley on the T-shirt. What do you make of those two things in terms of just strategy, not emotion, but, you know, that he he really went after her on, on that victory night for him in New Hampshire. And that now he's saying that if you donate to her, you're dead to me. Well, and a short week earlier, eight days earlier in Iowa, he got high marks for being so gracious. Exactly. And got high marks for being so gracious during his town hall with Brett Baer and you. Um, and he had done one, he had done an interview with Sean Hannity maybe the week before that and also was very gracious. So mm-hmm. uh, that, that of course, is the man I worked for and the, the president that I saw. But um, but I don't like bird brain. I don't like talking about women's dresses, the whole thing. I mean, you're never gonna, that's never going to change. Um, on the issue of... The people who are still donating to her, I think Trump has a point in this way. It's a free country. They're welcome to do that. But I do know personally, Martha, that those same people come back to us after, as they did in 2016, didn't give Donald Trump a nickel, not a dime. And boy, we could have used it at that campaign. We were understaffed, under-resourced, underestimated, under underdog, but understaffed and under-resourced, we could have used that money late in the game to defeat Hillary Clinton. The problem was none of them saw that he could defeat Hillary Clinton. Then comes his, he wins and they're clawing and bawling their way in. Like, what do we do? So they all stroked, many of them stroked six and seven figure checks to the inauguration. We didn't need that for the inauguration. Mm-hmm. And um, one of their names on the right list Trump had them all back in, worked with some of them, pardoned some of them, frankly. That's another conversation. But um But this time, I think because of the damage that the Biden-Harris administration has done to this country in three short years, there's a sense of urgency and clarity that so many of us, including former President Trump, feel that this is a binary choice. You could say it's a referendum on Trump and his legal woes. It's a referendum on Biden and his age. It is a binary choice. You 
And again, this is everybody's right. I would never deny them that. Every voter can make this choice, Martha. You can either say, I want the my life with Donald Trump. I want my, as president, I want my life with Joe Biden as president, or I'm just going to stay home or maybe vote third party. Um, so I see some of these people on the list. I know some of them are very jealous of Donald Trump still. They, they say, oh, I'm a billionaire. I'm a businessman. I could be president. Well, go and do that. Go and try that. It's super hard to win. Trust me. And that's why so few people have done it. Uh, but look, they can give to Nikki, but they have to also ask themselves, what am I, what, sh- should I give to the joint committee? So as soon as you, the Republican Party gets a nominee, we don't have one yet, but as soon as there is a nominee, then they can't, the, that, that campaign and the RNC work together in something called the joint committee. That's where you can really raise some big bucks. The maximum contributions get higher. Um, people like, so the same people could be doing that. But also, I just, I, I guess I would ask, Nikki Haley's a very smart person, something. Um, why do you know, maybe I'm just asking woman to woman, but because we know it's never a good idea. Why do you want to be these people's second and third choice? They were almost all of them. I saw the list with DeSantis. We can all pull the FEC reports. They were with DeSantis for a long time. Then some of them flirted with Chris Christie and Tim Scott, gave them a little bit of money or some we, of them right to her. The untold story continues right after this. That, that's a natural progression, I think, whether it's a woman or a man. Um, when, when people start dropping out, that money moves to the person who they think might be the potential contender. So I, I, I think she probably sees it as, you know, this opportunity to, I think they, they brought in like a million dollars yesterday from what I heard. Um, she's going to start running all these ads in South Carolina. It looks to me like she's going to give it, you know, the yeah. biggest college try she possibly can in South Carolina. And my guess, and this is not based on um, discussions with them, but my guess is that if she loses in South Carolina, she's going to you know fold the tent and wait until, until the next round. So I, I guess I, I'm wondering why the former president doesn't kind of just just look past her at this point. You know, I mean, would it be a stronger position for him to have to just sort of let her do her thing and focus on, you know, on his campaign and his his court dates and all of the things that he's got on his plate. Well, he can do all of that, all of the above. And I will say I liked the fact. And again, I think everyone knows this, but let me just repeat, I'm not working on his campaign. I like the fact that he had pivoted to a general election strategy a long time ago. Yeah. It allowed him to skip the debates, which I wanted him to do. I was very vocal about that. I thought he should have done the debate with Brett and you and then the one from Fox Business and at the Reagan Library uh, because I love direct democracy. And I like the fact that the voters have access free of charge to these candidates, just like a big donor might in the privacy of his home. Having said that, strategically and tactically, it was a brilliant move by President Trump and his campaign because instead of the people on the stage, including Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, the rest of them, ignoring Trump and transporting us to a general election with them versus Biden, they're obsessed with him. And then why isn't he here? He's a coward. Martha, does anybody think Donald Trump is shy and retiring or is at a loss for words ever? Um, so it just made no sense to the average juror. Like, wait a second, we heard him already for two hours today. Um, right. But I will say this. It, so she's going to give her the old college try. I think that's smart of her. Um, I wish she were doing, I, I like, so I like when Trump is gracious and when he's doing policy. However, he has every right to be a counterpuncher. He's, a, I'm a little bit like him. I never draw first blood, but I'm going to get the last word if you attack me or someone I love. It's just that simple. Um, well, I, I you, you know, and, and so she went on, she went on and she pre, you know, she tried to preclude his victory speech. He won second time in eight days, second contest, over 50% both time, double-digit leads, beats her by 30 points the week before, beats her by 11, 
or so in or, or more in New Hampshire. And she claimed victory. And I got something else to tell you, breaking news. Um, some of her donors don't even know that she said to Bob Vanderplatz in November that she would have signed the six-week abortion ban had she still been the governor of South Carolina. When people hear like, no, that can't be true. Why? Because she's not bragging about it at your big fundraiser because the people who got mad at DeSantis for that or would be mad at her for that. So I think he's got a right to sort of suss out a few things that are concealed from the voters slash um, hit back. She went out there, claimed victory, which she had at one, number one. And number two, I think more importantly for Donald Trump and how you're going to handle uh, Nikki, she said, she, had a, she, said, she, she said he had a senior moment. Hold on. No, she did, which obviously he didn't like. And, and you can understand why not. But, um, it, you know, she went out and said congratulations to Donald Trump who won tonight. Okay. Just, just to, you know, that, that's what she said. Um, if it, you're, you have two choices on, in that moment and I don't want to, you know, rehash that much, that, that much more, but, um, she had two choices. She either would say I'm throwing in the towel and I'm endorsing, or she says, I feel great about tonight actually. And I'm, I'm going to go on, which, you know, I, that's basically what I heard. They're, they're definitely taking shots at each other. He's calling her Nimrata or versions of her um, her first name, and he, she, he, she's going after his senior moments. We're going to see a lot of this over the p- next month. There's no no doubt about it. One question, though, I do want to ask you is with regard to the voter. You know, there, there's a very common um, discussion that he needs the people who support her. He needs the 35 percent in New Hampshire who said they would never vote for him. He needs the independent voters who maybe don't want to vote for President Biden and are looking for an option, but aren't all that sure about him. And I also think it's interesting that, you know, I think we're seeing migration, independent voters and former Democrats who are voting for Republican candidates. Now, this is something we all the time on the trail. So I'm not so sure why some folks were so shocked and wanted to make this big point about Democrats and independents voting for her, because it may very well be that some of those people are moving towards the Republican Party. Your thought on that? Agree completely. Uh, all the data bears that out. Sometimes the articles are about Donald Trump, but sometimes the articles are about what you just said, the center-right philosophy, the lower taxes, the everyday affordability, the border, foreign policy crisis. I mean, people know what they see with their own two eyes, and they're saying, sure, rising gas prices and grocery prices, but that's like a three-year-old example. Now they're saying 8 million people across the border, rising crime. People are saying, you know, Martha, I've got four teenagers, and so we're, we're always talking about and always listening to other parents about college applications. You'd be surprised how many parents now are saying, I don't want my kids to even apply in cities. They don't want their kids to go live in a city. Before that was like the dream, go apply to all the, all the colleges in Philadelphia and LA and Boston and New York and DC. And they're saying, you know, if my kid gets into Notre Dame and Columbia, it's a no brainer for me. I want them in Notre Dame. You know, I want them in South Bend, not New York. Is it really an amazing thing to hear? And then you see 100 million square feet of empty office space in Manhattan. Like people just don't want to be in these cities yeah. as much anymore. That's going to affect the vote. Now back to these two. Um, so that's migration of a different sort. Uh, I think that that's true. The only thing I'll say about New Hampshire is it's very unique, and it was a very unique situation. Donald Trump got a higher number of votes than anybody else in history, over 154,000, yet we had the lowest percentage ever in a Republican primary in New Hampshire of actual Republicans, 47% of those who voted Republican. So I think it was a little Operation Chaos 
Sol used to try to do against Hillary, which is I want people who don't have a primary to vote in this time. The Democrats awarded no delegates. I want Democrats to change their registration and go vote against Trump. And at the mm-hmm. time, they probably would have been happy if Chris Christie were on the ballot or Ronda. It didn't matter who it was. She just mm-hmm. happened to be the last man, woman standing. And so they're just trying to screw with him. He does beat Biden with independence. And if you're asking me, do I think that Ultimately, Nikki Haley comes back in into the tent, supports President Trump, goes and campaigns for him the way she did not campaign in 2018. And I wish she had. She left the administration early in September 2018. I thought, oh, well, this would be great because she'll spend the next six weeks going maybe with Vice President Pence and campaigning everywhere. She did no such thing. She's again, it's a free country. You can leave and go give overly paid speeches and sit on corporate boards, but you then can't complain that the Republicans lost in 2018. Do your part. She's a popular figure then. So if she's popular now and can bring new people into the party, that's fantastic. And we should welcome that at every turn. Kellyanne, thank you so much. This is really just, you know, I don't know, it's not chapter one, but maybe chapter eight or nine. I hope there's a lot more <laughs> because I, you're one of my absolute favorite people to talk to about um, about these elections because you, you're savvy and smart and you have a ton of experience and you know the polling and the numbers. So um, thank you so much for your time today and we will see you soon. Thank you, Martha. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining The Untold Story. I'm Martha McCallum. You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.